This is Mike McCurry Live, number 32, with Brother Corbin Butler. And I appreciate your patience, sir, as we overcame a few technical difficulties and uh, got this on the air. But for those of you that have no idea what this is, I completely understand. It's been a while since I've been uh, been on, unfortunately. Uh, it's some different things and took a little sabbatical. And uh, so this is number 32, a long break there between number 31 and 32. But we have Brother Corbin Butler, and I've talked enough, so I'm going to let you, Brother Corbin. First question always is in 50 to 100 words. Now, you're not limited to that. Just take whatever you want. <laughs> Tell us who and what you are, what you do, just a little bit about yourself. Okay, sounds good. Well, right now, uh, my wife and I, we are in Tampa, Florida, and uh, we uh, just started the Lighthouse Baptist Church three weeks ago. Um, August 18th was our launch. Um, we moved down here about a year ago. Um, we worked uh, up in Ohio for a while. Uh, my dad was a church planner, and I grew up in the middle of the world's largest Amish population, Millersburg, Ohio. And um, <clears throat> then uh, went off Massillon Baptist College, met my wife there, went on staff directly there afterwards, uh, taught at the Massillon Baptist College, uh, Massillon Christian School. Um, also was the youth pastor at the Sandy Valley Baptist Temple for four years. Um, and then last year, moved down here to Tampa to work with Pastor Kerry Nance in the Southside Baptist Church uh, to launch Lighthouse Baptist Church, um, which was accomplished three weeks ago. So I think Amen. that's a nutshell for you. <laughs> awesome. So and we'll look at recent history right now. So three weeks ago, how is it? Start starting a church. Do you know everything? You just completely, <laughs> you know exactly what to do. You can correct everyone else's faults. Oh, man. Or is it no. a little different than that? No, it is definitely not that way at all. So um, you, you learn a lot in uh, college classrooms, learned a lot working under my dad in the church plant. But until you're that lead guy doing it, um, it it's, a, it's a whole different scenario. So, um, But uh, I'm excited that I haven't had way too many difficult challenges as of right now. So um, I'm sure they'll come and we'll get through those eventually. So. Absolutely. So what was the lead up? And we'll get to the, maybe the call to, to Tampa and, and how that all came up, came about. But how long was the lead up, what the, the launch pad, the, the runway to um, from the time you said this is the we're going and okay. and you came down and what, what, what was that time frame there? OK, so um, we were actually kind of in a unique scenario. Um, we actually were kind of going into a church launch that was already kind of on the move. So that was kind of exciting. Um, I'm actually in a church building already, uh, which is exciting. Sure. We're not in a storefront or anything. Sure. Um, there was a church that was called the East Sly Avenue Baptist Church, um, started in 1956 and uh, ran until 2010. And they shut their doors in 2010 with some different issues that they had. Um, and they gave all the properties to our sending church, um, Southside, which is about 30, 35 minutes away from here. Okay. And uh, so since 2010, they've been caring for the properties and praying for a pastor. Um, and so um, we kind of got in. We moved down here last year, uh, July of 2018. Okay. And so pastor, um, his goal was, um, since I didn't know him, he didn't know me. He wanted me to be Southside, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And so we worked with him for a year so I could learn his ministry philosophy. Um, six months into working with him, he sent me out to kind of help raise some support. And uh, then um, just launched here in August. So it was about a year process from moving here to the launch date. 
Amen. Well, I, I love seeing that. And obviously, you know, maybe a different circumstance and a, and a difficult circumstance that you wouldn't necessarily choose with the church closing mm -hmm. its doors, but yeah. for a church to have the burden and to see, and I'm all about, I love seeing, um, and I, I've had a burden for church planning. I grew up in a military a home. And yeah. so that's what we were in basically all the yeah. time is church plants. And I love seeing men that have the burden and go make it happen with God's power, obviously, yeah. but seeing churches get a burden about it. Um, it is a powerful thing, and, and it's it definitely helps grease the skids. And, you know, the, everything is difficult, still difficult, and and your job is still the pastor and all that. And it's not pastor by committee and all that stuff, but um, it definitely helps for sure. And mentioning the building and all those things, and uh, so praise the Lord for for that kind of support. Um, now, and maybe we'll just kind of work backwards then for for right now if we can. But very recently here, at least in Akron. Canton area, mm -hmm. we had a God Bless America rally, and we'll, we'll yeah. definitely, I'm going to keep touching on the church planning and the need for it, especially down okay. south. But talk to me a little bit, for those that, that don't know, I'll just give a quick synopsis of, of what, and then you can kind of correct that because I, I have my perspective okay. and, and you have yours and you were close to the action. But um, you, and I'll tell it as I recall, you went to a uh, God Bless America rally. Uh, where was that at that you went to, that um, you saw, that you saw for the first time? Yeah, first time I saw it was Richmond, Virginia. Okay, and you saw that in um, this amazing revivalistic and evangelistic effort. Uh, got a burden about it and talked with the Fox and said, we need that. And out of that came over a dozen churches getting together and independent Baptist churches. And if, yeah, you can if you can believe that, yep. in Akron, Ken, Ohio, Baptist churches actually work together. <laughs> Um, and, um, and got along and, and praise the Lord for that. It, it was fantastic. Um, over yeah. 200 people saved, uh, here at the rally here, but all of that going on and, and you were on the steering committee, you were a point man for that, working so many of the little nuances and, and, and things that, that go into a huge meeting. People just show up and, and think it's, you know, this is great. They don't understand all the work that goes on behind the scenes, but also at the same time, working on the, the church plant so the question all that lead up and we'll talk more gba more church plant but how much uh how difficult was it to balance the two and how what kind of responsibilities do you have to balance to make that happen yeah. uh, with with yeah. the the weight and and uh call it threat of the church plant uh, and you know impending doom coming upon you if that makes sense right yeah um it was it was interesting um because when the god bless america rally started um the church plant wasn't on the radar i was right. uh, i was teaching at massive baptist college i was dorm supervisor with my wife and um and i was a youth pastor as well um that was a interesting relationship working two ministries for four years so the god bless america rally got thrown into that and so um we just kind of we just kind of made it work. I, I did a lot of double tasking. Um, like one of my responsibilities for the college was I had to watch study hours or um, watch the, um, I guess you could say recreational hall. Um, so mm -hmm. that'd be kind of the monitor for that. And so a lot right. of those times is when I'd get a lot of the computer work done, um, sure. just kind of multitask, uh, getting those things done. Um, and then also um, a lot of sacrifices on my wife's part. Um, some of our days right. off weren't necessarily days off because they were spent making phone calls. Um, so, um, but there was, um, you, you know, just for the God bless America rally, some of the behind the scenes work people don't understand is, you know, we were calling a list of, you know, three to 400 churches. Um, when you, when you do even just 50 phone calls, uh, life of a missionary, you know, that takes a long time. Um, leaving messages, you, you consider your, 
you're on the phone just to leave a message you're on the phone for two minutes and then right. let alone if you get into a conversation um so so it was very time consuming um but uh church plant kind of <clears throat> came into the picture i didn't really know what was going so i actually i talked to my spiritual leaders that i had my pastor and then also the president at the bible college and uh, both of them just said um if the lord leads you to do the church plant that's fine you know we're all on board with it we're 100 percent behind you but you need to finish the god bless america rally sure. and so that was something um moving to tampa um talking to my sending pastor i said you know this is one thing that will be finished and so i was i was very thankful i mean he gave me six weeks off basically to come up to Ohio. I, I did tour some churches while I was up there for the church plant, um, but I was just thankful he gave me six weeks out of that year to work with them to come work for that. So, but it was it was challenging, but definitely rewarding. So sure. Well, and that, that's one of the things that I've, I've always appreciated about, about my pastor, Pastor Grimaldi, and a guy like Byron Fox and some of these guys. Mm-hmm. They they're wise in how they do it. Um, but they don't have a problem having a bunch of irons in the fire. They have, you know, a lot of things. And I, w- I was talking to pastor and staff meeting um, yesterday, I think, and we were just talking about the opportunities for investment. And he was talking about investment in the next generation. Um, and when you think about it, you know, you might as well make make the most use out of every opportunity you have to work for the Lord. Um, and, and now being wise with your family, and you mentioned that and balancing things, and you don't want to be burning the candle both ends, you know, for, for months and years on end, um, and your family suffer. But the opportunity you had there for a little while, I mean, that that's to make a huge impact in two completely separate geographical areas What was, was fantastic. Now, uh, the church plan that you're working right now, how f- financially and a plug for those that might be watching that need a church plant to support um, brother Corbin Butler would, would be an excellent one to consider, but um, how, how are you working that by vocational or h- how does that work so far? So actually, um, so I'm getting some salary from my sending church. Um, right. I've actually got a meeting with my pastor um, tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be taking some of the bills that my sending church has been paying for the last, you know, 2010 is when the church shut down. Wow. Um, they've been paying some minimal bills um, sure. since then. So we're going to be taking those. We have some monthly support coming in. So we're going to take as much of those bills as we possibly can right now mm-hmm. um, without hurting us financially. And then uh, my wife actually teaches uh, something called VIP Kid. And what it is is she actually – I'm sitting in her classroom right now. That's why I got the globe and banners behind me. Um, but the, uh, um, there's Chinese students. Their parents want their kids to learn English. And so uh, my wife teaches them English online. And so she gets up in the morning and she's teaching, you know, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning until I go to work. So uh, I personally am not bivocational, but my wife um, is pulling that side job. So, sure. um, yeah, so that's kind of how we're working. Um, but are we fully supported yet monthly? Uh, no, we're not there, but the church is starting. We're going by faith. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, and that reminds me, and this is an interview of you, but I, I think I may have mentioned you. You may not even know. My family and I will be transitioning in ministry, whatever buzzword you want to use. Uh, I talked to Pastor Grimaldi and a lot of uh, spiritual counselors, and I'll be kind of stepping off into uh, evangelism, hybrid of evangelism, some different things uh, come the end of the year. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to different people. And I I understand, you know, I I sound flippant when when I'm saying this, but people, you know, everyone says, um, you know, young evangelists, it's hard. And and I I don't understand it. I I guess to be truthful, I don't. Um, But at the same time, Part of me isn't too bothered by it. For one, 
I, I do trust God, but it's not, there's a, I think there's a pretty thick black line between faith and foolishness a lot of times. And we yes. get caught in the wrong side of it sometimes, Absolutely. but part of me who remembers, and you heard these stories too, probably in Bible college of, you know, adjunct faculty and some of your professors and some different guys talking about how they went and started a church out in, you know, the Western state and had no support. They just drove out there. The car broke down as they pulled into town and all these things and have the stories gotten a little bigger in the telling of time. Maybe, I don't know, but all I know is God took, took care of them then. And so I don't think it's too much to think that he can take care of us. Now I'll be wise and I'm not going to be, buying a new car anytime soon but all to say i think i think that's a great a great attitude i mean to be able to look back and say i'm not sure how this happened but it did that's mm-hmm. and be able to just chalk it up to god that's awesome mm-hmm. so uh, we talked a little bit about the finance side talk, talk to us about and I, I know numbers aren't everything but talk to us about numbers last last three weeks and what the lord's done uh, just in these first couple of first month or so so uh, opening Sunday, uh, we did uh, we had grand opening flyers that we passed out in the community. That was awesome. I uh, got about uh, 2,700 out before the launch. We started three weeks beforehand. Um, what's crazy is we haven't even made it a mile from the church yet. We already have surpassed 3,000 homes, um, wow. and that's just going west. So I haven't even went north, south, or east yet. Um, so that was pretty crazy. But um, church, so opening day, we had a special meal and things. And so okay. uh, my sending church sent what would be our college and career class um, up. So there was about 20 young people that came up. Um, I had some family and some people from my sending church. Uh, my The church I was a youth pastor at in Ohio came down. And so that opening Sunday, we actually had 57. Um, but there was five that were brand new visitors from the community, from the door hangers. So that was awesome. Second week, we got to 13. Um, and then um, this last week, which I was really excited about, no family was in town, no friends, nobody from the sending church. We had 17 and we had six very first time visitors. Um, Praise so, Lord. And uh, that was truly an encouragement to see that. And for um, me, I would, the fact that I, I say, I say only, but six first time, that means that they're returning visitors. So that, that's, that's a huge praise as well. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that. Those, um, with having the 17 there, I think from the grand opening day, there was two, um, there Praise was Lord. two that came back from that. Um, um, before I came down here and the church opened, uh, my sending church, they were actually holding some Bible studies up here. Okay. And so there was um, probably about six to eight people that would attend those, but it, they didn't necessarily um, advertise to try to get that off the ground or anything like sure. that. So there wasn't a huge push to launch the church. It was just kind of maintained mode. Sure. Um, so I had those six to eight people um, there that uh, have been an encouragement. So that's that's where we get some of them from. Amen. Um, Amen. Yes, Praise Lord. Now, how would you categorize the geographical area you're at? You say you say Tampa, right? I mean, are you well within city limits or a suburb type yes. or where, where is it at there? Yeah, I am. I'm definitely in Tampa. Um, so we, uh, uh, if anybody's traveled down to the Tampa area, um, I am five minutes from Bush Gardens Amusement Park. Sure. Um, I'm also 11 minutes from the University of South Florida. Um, well, which is uh, blew my mind once I got here. This is a side note, and I'll get back to the geographical <laughs> area. University of South Tampa or South Florida um, has sixty thousand students on campus. Um, there is a hundred and twenty countries represented on that campus, and seventy percent of which are from ten forty window countries. <laughs> um, and um, I heard a statistic, and this is kind of neat how the Lord worked on my heart. 
before the church plant thing even came up, probably about three years ago, um, I was at a meeting and they were talking about college campuses and evangelism. The stat was said that 80% of all international students that come to the U.S. for study, they're here for six to eight years, master's, doctorate's degrees, 80% of them will never be invited into an American's home. Well. And that was just dumbfounding to me that we have such a huge wide open door in our backyards that right. say that you get going to them. They come to us. Exactly. So it was just neat that the Lord put me 11 minutes from one of the largest universities in America. Um, it's actually ranked ninth this year uh, from wow. the largest university. So we are, uh, it takes me about 10 minutes to get downtown. Um, but we are still considered Tampa. Yeah. Praise Lord. Now, you may have done some research on this, and it's, I'm sure it's hard to get numbers sometimes. But, uh, well, first, what's the population of Tampa proper itself, like the, the area that you're in, that that 10-mile or whatever it is radius? Okay. How many people and then how so, many Baptist churches are in that area? Okay. Um, so Tampa proper is, uh, I think, about 400,000 right now. Okay. Um, if I were to expand out and do our county or Hillsborough County, there's 1.4 million. Um, and then if I had to do Tampa Metro, which would include St. Pete and Clearwater, uh, that's 3.1 million people. Um, so Baptist churches right now, um, uh, what's crazy about this area and, and Tampa, what people don't understand is um, we are growing like crazy. Um, we, uh, the last three years, um, we have had 60,000 people move here each year for the last three years. Wow. Um, that's over 180,000 people in three years that have moved here. And they're not coming from conservative states. Um, they're coming very liberal areas. But what's interesting, um, just based off of the last census, I know we're getting ready to come up on the next census here. Right. Um, before these people were moving in from these liberal areas, um, Tampa is actually ranked, it was ranked number two for the least a church tending city in America um, wow. for metropolitan areas. The only place that beat us was Portland, Oregon. Um, <laughs> And uh, so that tells me Las Vegas, Nevada has a higher percentage of people. Sin City is beating us at going to church. Um, so that, that was pretty interesting. You name it. That's, that's yeah. crazy. So, but that is based off uh, all religions. So that's, that's pretty crazy when you add in the sure. Catholics and Lutherans and all those kind of things. So there's a lot of different studies out there. Um, and everybody uses different ratios to do things. But I thought that was interesting based off of the census, how that one was worked. Um, but Baptist churches, just Hillsborough County, um, where I'm at. So we got 1.4 million people. Um, I've counted 15 Baptist churches that we could fellowship with um, and go. So we're over 100,000 people per church right now. That which, if one church reaches 10,000 people in their lifetime, that's doing good. You know, and what what's amazing about it is, even though um, Tampa is this fast-growing metropolitan area, um, there, we have a pretty big agricultural area outside hmm. of the Tampa metro. We actually produce like 300 million pounds of strawberries a year. Like it's wow. crazy. But what's interesting is most of the Baptist churches out of those 15 that are in our county are out in the farming areas. They're not where the people are. Okay. Um, so, um, like the city, like I can drive 35 minutes to my sending church and I don't pass another independent Baptist church. I mean, it's wow. just people after people after people. Um, so just a great need, uh, just here in the Tampa area, um, let alone Florida. So, um, but we just, uh, uh, last year or the year before, uh, we passed, uh, New York state is the third most populated state in America, hmm. but, uh, it's just a huge need for churches. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, how did God work on your heart to 
get into church planning maybe what what were you focused on what was the plan was it just i know i'm saying this it wasn't not just treading water but which is kind of wait and see wait and see as you were continuing the ministry there at sandy valley and all of that or was there a specific uh, bent you had towards something and how did church planning get on your horizon yeah so we um uh so my wife and i we traveled from mass baptist college and right. um so we got to go into a lot of churches a lot of christian schools um, a lot of conferences and um my wife and I's hearts were just knit to the church plants that we went into. Um, it was just something about going into a storefront, you know, just us and the pastor, and you know, he was praying for more people. That just really knitted our hearts together. Uh, I just think a church planner is a very unique person. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of grit to go somewhere and stay somewhere, even if it's just you and your family for a while. So as we traveled the country, her and I just really um, talked about church planning a lot and said, you know, if the Lord ever let us start a church one day, that would be awesome. So I was in that last year, 2018, um, there at Sandy Valley in Massillon Christian School. And something that really sparked me, I was teaching a uh, high school boys Bible class at the Christian school. We had started it off kind of as a missions project and we had each student uh, in my class adopt a country. And they did eight weeks where they had to go research 10 questions about it, bring it back and we discuss it as a class. Well, we did that for the first semester, and the next semester we were going to have them do pick a, just a different country and go from there. And uh, Lord just burned my heart. Why don't we pick America and just have them all adopt a state? And so um, my I had I think about twenty students in that class, and all these boys they they got these different states, and every week they were coming back and they were just talking about church planning needs and spiritual needs in all these different states, and Lord just started pricking my heart. It's just like, you know, I'm telling these boys that, you know, need to be open to church planning. And the Lord's just like, well, why not you? So the Lord was really working in my heart. I was in a unique situation. My pastor, Pastor Matt Smith, um, he uh, had become a military chaplain in the Army Reserves. And so um, he had left for about two and a half months. And so I was kind of helping run the church. He was having a lot of guest speakers in. And um, so the Lord's working on my heart about church planning, but my pastor wasn't there. And so I'm like, well, what do I do about this? You know, and uh, I didn't want to just call him and kind of drop the ball on him. I wanted to talk to him face to face. Right. And so what we found was on my days off, we were actually driving all across the state of Ohio. Um, We were going, we were in Akron area, we were in Cleveland. And um, I just started uh, talking to pastors in the area and asking them, do you know any cities that don't have a church here in Ohio? And I just got city after city after city after city. And um, I had started to formulate a prayer list of just different areas to pray for um, a lot of Cleveland suburbs and um, uh, some some other ones, some rural areas, some are uh, city areas. Um, but every day off, I mean, we were just driving to just go look f- for churches. And I thought for sure that the Lord was going to keep us in Ohio. So I, uh, <clears throat> Lord's working on my heart. We're thinking we're going to be in Ohio. And um, <clears throat> hadn't told anybody about the idea of church planning. And um, I had a pastor friend call me that was working in Florida. He said, Brother Corbin, I, I just got off the phone with his pastor. His name's Pastor Kerry Nance. And um, he said he just lost his assistant pastor. He said, for some reason, for the last couple of weeks, I just cannot get you off my heart. I was in no way, shape or form looking to make an assistant pastor move because um, I was thinking this was going to be church plant. And uh, so I hung up the phone with him. I said, Lord, if this is something you really want me to explore, I said, you got to confirm it with me. And the next day in my devotions, the Lord gave me a verse. And I, I, I wasn't forcing it. It was just the next thing that I was reading for the next day. And I was like, okay, Lord, 
if you want me to explore this, I will. And um, so I waited for my pastor to get back from the training. I talked to him. He gave me the okay. I called Pastor Nance and um, started to interview me for this assistant pastor's position. He said, Corbin, where do you see yourself being in the ministry? I said, I would love to start a church someday. And then he said, well, let me tell you about something. And then he started to tell me about this church they've been taking care of for nine years. It's just unbelievable how the Lord knitted our hearts together. Um, we, uh, we had come down here. We saw everything. One thing that was crazy how the Lord confirmed it, when my wife and I we were traveling across the country going to different Christian schools, um, I said to my wife, I said, if we ever get an opportunity to start a Christian school one day, I would love for the nickname of the Christian school to be the Harvesters. And uh, I, I've never seen that on a Christian school, and uh, it was kind of interesting. But we came down here to this church, Lighthouse Baptist Church, and when I walk in, the pulpit has Harvester carved into the front of it. <laughs> I just looked at her, and I just started bawling in the auditorium. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. And the Lord just lined up so many things. The university was here. The Lord had worked on my heart about inner city works, and we're in the highest crime-rated area in Tampa. And so it is just... Uh, the Lord just lined everything up. One thing that really burdened my heart and was interesting was in that process of traveling to different cities there in Ohio, I went to pastors, missionaries, and evangelists. Um, and I just asked them, I said, what do you see the biggest need for church planning or church restoration? And everybody had a different answer. And then I asked um, after I'd asked that question, I asked them now, what part of the country do you think the greatest need is? And um, some people would say New England, some people would say Pacific Northwest, but the one that shocked me was actually uh, Pastor Phil Clayton. I asked him about it because I know he has a big heart for church planning. And without hesitation, he said the South. Hmm. And so when the idea of Florida came up, I had already researched that area because I was shocked when he told me the South because growing up in Ohio, South's the Bible Belt. We just kind of lumped right. everything together right. as the Bible Belt. and. Florida, after being down here, it really isn't the South. It's just a melting pot of everything. It's just huge need. Absolutely. That's, that's, it's amazing how the Lord works things out, you know, when, mm -hmm. when you're not, not, you're pull, not, not even pulling the other direction, but the Lord just makes yeah. it so, so apparent. The, yes. I, I realized, I mean, and you know, Acme, you know, Canton, uh, those areas, and you know the, the dire need that this area has. And I've heard it said, I don't know who told me this. I've heard it said a couple of times, but this is almost an extension of the Bible Belt, especially with all of West Virginia transplants and things. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And so when you think of it that way, like we know how bad Akron and Canton need it. Yeah. And if this is any similarity to the Bible Belt, the rest of the Bible Belt needs it too. You know, I think about it, and we have a pretty good amount of Baptist, good Baptist churches. Um, and, and even call them reasonable Baptist churches around. Yeah. And yet still, and not to be um, uh, pessimistic or anything, but sometimes it feels like you're not making a dent. I mean, yeah. they're, they're moving in or moving out or, um, you know, uh, babies are being born faster than we can reach them. It, it's, it's crazy. And so if this is any indication, it's, it's an indication of what the rest of America and the world looks like. Yeah. Yes. But if it's any indication of what the South is like, then absolutely. To think that you have to be, in uh, the the northeast or, or northwest to need need Baptist churches, man, you need them everywhere. To think a hundred thousand people are going to be reached by one Baptist church, that that's that's nuts. Um, yes. and so huge need, absolutely. 
Yeah, when, when we traveled the country, I had so many people, um, because Maslin would be in that Northeast Ohio right. area. I had so many people that would just come up to me and say, Northeast Ohio was a pinnacle of fundamentalism, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. And just to think of the names of just pastors that were so nationally known and had such impacts everywhere. And, you know, a lot of those works aren't even close to what they used to be. And um, a lot of the, there's a lot of new churches that have started, but even if you equal all of those churches size and congregations together, a lot of them don't even equal what those old churches were. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to believe it in the 1970s, one in eight people that you would talk to would identify as an independent Baptist. How close right. are we to that? <laughs> um, right. So, um, but yeah, definitely need everywhere. Yeah. Ohio, big and, need. Yeah. And, and you've knocked on playing more doors in this area than I have, but the, we had this, uh, we have the God bless America youth summit. We'll talk about that in just a second, but, uh, we were passing out these gospel walking sticks for, yep. for that. Um, it was, you know, it was gospel push. It was evangelistic, mm-hmm. but, um, also to, to advertise and try to get young people to come, uh, to this GBAU summit. And something that struck me, and this is one of the, one of the reasons that struck me again, that there's so many similarities to the South. We go through the gospel presentation. I'll give it because it takes 20 seconds. Literally, uh, we have a yeah. gold bead here. So if you want, if you want to give a gospel stick to somebody, I say, but I got to give you the instruction manual first and say something like, yeah. well, we have a gold bead here and that represents heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Right. But that dark bead there represents sin. And that's what keeps us out of heaven. But thankfully, the red shed blood of Jesus paid the cost. So we could be white as snow. And the green bead represents evergreen live eternally with him if we accept that free gift. And then say something to the effect of, you know, here's your gospel walking stick and, and off you go. And but the, the the times that I was either prompted by the Holy Spirit or had a time to really go deeper than that and ask, so God forbid, where would you go or something like that? And you know how I say this. I say this tongue in cheek. Everybody was saved. Everybody was going to heaven. Absolutely. And yet we are the world leader. Oh, I'm sorry. The American leader, maybe the world leader mm-hmm. for heroin use. Mm-hmm. But everybody, all 3,000 some people I talked to, uh, I talked to all of them, they were all saved. Everybody knew yeah. where they were going. Yep. That doesn't jive, obviously. We know. No. Um, and so, you know, profess themselves to be wise and, and all those things. But mm-hmm. the need is just, it, it's worse when people think they know what they have and don't. But, mm-hmm. and so the, the South can be just as hard to reach because everybody thinks they know, you know, what the Bible says. They, they know about Jesus and all of that. Um, so, so backing up some, what was your, what was your, I mean, get your wife, I know your wife has, has an amazing testimony as well. Um, but before church planning, before even being, being at Maslin, um, and representing them and all those, I think the first time you and I met was at uh, Mount mm-hmm. Salem revival grounds, mm-hmm. you were representing Maslin there for uh, a week. Yeah. Um, but before that, what, what was your upbringing and, and how did you end up where you are now? What, what's the genesis of okay. that? So, um, I'll try to get it into a nutshell. We'll see. Sure. Um, but, uh, so, uh, grew up at church planners home. My dad started a church the year I was born and then, um, started another church when I was five years old. And right. that was the one he's still pastoring today. Amen. So I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, but so, uh, 12 years old, I got saved and, um, that was, uh, um, but yeah, 12 years old, uh, got saved. And, um, I guess the real struggle for me was, I decided at a very young age, um, I didn't want to go into the ministry and, um, I had other dreams. The town, town I lived in had 3000 people in it. So perspective, at least at Tampa, that's a pretty small town. Um, I know there's a lot of smaller ones that are out there. 
Um, but my dad, uh, when he started the church, he also worked a full-time job. He worked in a factory making prescription pill bottles. Um, so he, he would work midnights, he'd work second shift and still pastor the church. He did that for 15 years. Hmm. And um, I saw um, a lot of hardships, I guess you could say, in the ministry. Sure. And I just decided that's not what I wanted to do. So I was uh, probably 14. Um, I said, last thing on face the earth I'm doing is going to ministry. And... Um, uh, so I, uh, 15 years old, um, there was a funeral that I had to attend. Um, I was always in the funeral home. My dad was the kind of pastor that um, we, we ministered as a family. So I, I was not excluded from those things at all. So uh, this particular funeral um, was for a cousin of mine. He had died of a drug overdose, 17 years old. Um, he had just signed a scholarship for track and field. And uh, we went there and there was 400 teenagers at that funeral. He, he was a big influencer there in the community. And um, even though I was kind of backslidden, um, I asked myself the question, I, I can't wait for the preacher to get up and tell these 400 teenagers how they can have peace in knowing God, have that true comfort. And the pastor, the guy that was doing the funeral was not my dad that day. Um, and he got up and he talked and gave a sermon, if you could call it that, and never mentioned anything about salvation. I don't even know if he mentioned anything about God. Or just really impacted my heart and said, um, you know, who's going to tell them? I just asked that question. Who's going to tell those 400 teenagers about God? And it was like the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and was like, I want it to be you. And so, but last thing I wanted to do was um, do that, go to the ministry. So I ran the other way, uh, kind of like Jonah. If I'm here, God wants me there. I'm going to go that way. And that was exactly what I did. I had a dream. I wanted to get out of the small town. Uh, I wanted to play. Um, I wanted to go to college on a baseball scholarship, um, become a history teacher um, or play professional baseball. And um, uh, when I was 17 years old, I had uh, walked to my mailbox one day and I pulled out a letter that said Cincinnati University on it. And uh, I opened it up and it said, uh, you've been selected to play in a national scouting baseball game um, where we've selected 80 players from the Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Kentucky region of the United States. Um, if you show up, you have a 40% chance of, um, you show up there's gonna be 40 division one colleges nine major league baseball teams you have 80 percent chance of getting drafted or a d1 scholarship <laughs> and so um what i held in my hand was a ticket to my dream that was exactly what you know i wanted to do and so i started working hard um at that and um i was dedicating my life about six hours a day to the, the sport of baseball um through throwing or running or conditioning or whatever it was and one day I went for a jog and I came back from my two mile jog, ate breakfast and didn't feel very well, threw up everything everywhere. And I was like, well, that was kind of weird. Um, I'll just try again at lunch. Tried again at lunch, the exact same thing happened. And um, for the next two weeks, I couldn't get any food into my body. My parents started taking me to doctor after doctor. Um, in a matter of six weeks, I went from 230 pounds to 155 pounds. Went from baseball six hours a day to the point I couldn't even stand up out of bed. I went to nine different doctors at the Cleveland Clinic, Akron Children's Hospital, which are some of the best hospitals in the world, mm -hmm. and none of them could find an answer. So I got to a really low point in my life. That game was getting closer and closer that I could have went and played at. Um, but uh, one day I just uh, I went out to try to practice baseball. My parents went around. I just threw a ball off at a tire and I blacked out. Went over, got my ball, got my glove. I walked inside. I just chucked it at the wall, sat on the couch, looked up at the sky and said, God, why'd you do this to me? You took my dream away from me. And uh, I had actually um, gotten to the point that I said, I have no reason to live anymore. So I had devised a plan. This was on a 
Friday that I was going to commit suicide on Monday. And I got the gun, I got the bullets, I had them under my bed um, and in my nightstand. And um, when my parents got home, they said, Corbin, uh, we're going to surprise your sister's fiance out in Troy, Ohio, uh, which is about three hours away from where I grew up. Um, they said, we're going to go drive out there, we're going to surprise them on Sunday morning, um, and then um, we're going to spend the night out there and we're going to drive back on Monday. So. You know, I can't look at my mom and say, well, I, I can't do that, you know. <laughs> um, um, so we drove out there and um, went to services that morning. That afternoon, my mom and I went back to the hotel. My mom fell asleep in the bed next to me, and I just looked at her all afternoon crying because um, this was the last time I was going to be with my mom. And um, went to church that night. Left church that night, started driving back to the hotel, and my mom got a phone call, and she got really frantic. And... Um, she started to uh, cry and start to say things like, no, that can't happen. That's impossible. There's no way possible that that can happen and just bawling your eyes out. And uh, my mom pulled off on the side of the road and I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she told me it's your cousin Kyle. And I said, okay. She said, um, they just found out that he had killed his wife, killed his 10 year old daughter and committed suicide. My sister and brother-in-law were in a car in front of us. They had pulled off and, um, the, uh, I was the one that had to go break the news to them about the suicide and the murder. And the Lord had me in the car for that reason because I saw the devastation of suicide and those things on a family. And um, I went to the funeral that next week for my cousin and I just stared at him in the casting and said, that's supposed to be me. Why is that not me? And I turned around and there was 400 people at his funeral and the Lord snapped me back to when I was a teenager. I called you to preach. And um, so about two weeks later, I surrendered to preach. Um, youth rally, it was November 7th, 2010. I was the only kid that went to the altar at that youth rally. Surrendered to preach. And what was amazing about it, after I surrendered to preach, um, my health came back without explanation. It's amazing just where the Lord's taken it from there. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't have been alive, let alone um, experience the things that we got to experience. But what's awesome about it is... You know, my dream was to get out of the small town. Um, I wanted to be a teacher. I'm now living in Tampa. I've been able to teach at a Christian school, been able to teach at a college, been able to talk to young people uh, across the country and be involved in things. And it's amazing. The Lord has given the desires of my heart back then, even though my desires were for completely different reasons. Um, just bring it full circle. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's me. I don't know how to make a good transition back to you, but <laughs> uh, that's, uh, God's that's good. Amen. Yes, now, sir. I'll, I'll tell you, um, often I'll take clips because um, yeah, people are, and I, I wouldn't say long form conversational style interviews or whatever. There's a, not a lot of people that will, that will watch the entire thing. What I'll do is I'll clip out some uh, parts. And I, I interviewed my uh, brother-in-law. He has an amazing uh, story of his adoption, some different things. Um, but just just so you know, I'll, I'll probably clip out that entire testimony, eight minutes, whatever it was, and post yeah. up for people to, to hear. Because I think we, man, we, we get, um, we live, and I guess I'm talking to myself too, but we, we live in our own power a lot of times. And we forget yeah. that not only is there a God, but he very, very much wants to use us. And... Um, we get in our own way, doing good things sometimes even. And, and I'm not even talking on the baseball front. I mean, even ministry type things, we do yeah. good things, um, but we do it 
you know, in a Martha way a lot of times uh, yeah. without his presence. And so uh, that's that's a great reminder um, for you weren't, you know, doing drugs, you know, running around, shacking up. You were just you wanted baseball. Yeah. It wasn't the worst thing, but it wasn't the best thing. And God give give the opportunity he did, and then have the opportunity you know take some of the tools that I'm sure you learned through that game and all those things to be able to use them. That's praise the Lord for that. Now, so I guess I, I guess I'd have to hear your your wife's testimony again to really compare it and 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 yeah. you know so which one is more powerful because that was a really <laughs> that was a really good testimony that, that was that was that was a blessing. But in short, could, could you give us maybe for those that don't know just a little bit of your yes. wife's testimony? Um, yes. For those who don't know, so very different contrast. So you know, I'm I'm preacher kid, um, preacher's home. My wife completely different. Um, she uh, grew up in Akron, um, and uh, give you an um, idea. Um, her parents were married. They were divorced, and then they had my wife. Um, so I mean, just from the start, broken home. She had grown up. Her her grandma was uh, heavily into a Pentecostal church. So until about nine years old, she would. She would kind of go to that, um, but um, just through series event life situations, um, my wife um, basically at the age of 16 was uh, living by herself on the street, streets of Akron, just going house to house, you know, whatever friend would take her in for the night and uh, just the lifestyle that that comes with, you know. Um, but the, uh, um, I think she was 18, she was her senior year of high school, um, she had come across her her other grandparents that didn't go to a Pentecostal church, they went to an independent fundamental Baptist church, First Freedom Baptist Church over Brimfield. Um, they had came into the Panera Bread that she was working at at the time and uh, made a connection with her. And about two weeks later, she's just like, well, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in a while. Um, I need to call my grandparents to see if they can get me a meal. So she called them. They uh, um, said, how about one better? Uh, they took her out to eat. And I said, how about you move in with us and just finish your senior year in high school? And uh, so she did that. They just begged her for weeks to go to church with her. And finally she went. Um, her second Sunday there would have been Mother's Day of 2011. And the pastor actually preached on the passage about Hannah, my wife's name, and uh, salvation message. And my wife went home back to her grandparents' house and in her bedroom. Uh, she asked God to come into her heart and save her ever since. And nobody else was around her. She just did that, but her life just completely changed. Um, so you're talking Mother's Day, that's middle of May, and in August she showed up at Bible College. Um, and so uh, just just absolutely incredible, um, different different backgrounds and different scenarios the Lord's brought us through um, to bring us to this point. So, um, Amen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to see. Um, and, you know, you just looking at the picture. I, I know, you know, posed and all those things, but being able to see, through your life and, you know, through the little the picture you sent me and all that, but, you know, genuine joy, like, yep. yeah, man, uh, in dealing with, the, you know, my, my wife's situation, you know, here the last, in her health over the past little bit and some different things, man, this is still the best life, man. You know, it, it's yeah. still, you know, serving God, it's, it's still the best. There, there's, there's no way, no way around that. And so uh, for people that, are wondering and and for those that would probably the the act you know, the audience most likely for this that would actually watch those that know what's right they know what they should be doing but they're not quite you know you're not full time on it you're 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 you know 
you, you do it because you have to, whatever the case may be, because it's tradition, you're in a rut. Man, it's it's just the best. Just get on board and go to town. Absolutely. You won't regret it. Sure. Um, but praise the Lord. So we covered – we could talk, talk – just. I, I don't want to double back on the GBA for just a little bit. God bless America. No um, we had the rally here back in May, May 1, 2, 3, and 4. And uh, Lord bless. And as I mentioned, we had 200-plus people saved, and that was, that was fantastic. And kind of capitalizing us on the momentum of that a little bit, um, our church, First Baptist Church at Kenmore, has a uh, youth conference every year. This will be the yeah. sixth year of it, but we talked with a fox, and I, I don't know. It was a chicken and egg type thing. I'm not sure who talked to who first, but Brother mm-hmm. Fox, myself, and Pastor Maldi were talking about, you know, we should we should you know make something uh, of this uh, with the youth uh, emphasis. And so uh, this God Bless America Youth Summit came about. And praise the Lord, I, I just told uh, Brother Corbin beforehand that we have 130 people registered and would love for you, mm-hmm. uh, anyone that might be watching, uh, to register, you can go to GodBlessAmericaRally.com to do that. Um, but talk for just a few minutes about the maybe best memories or just some different takeaways from the actual rally itself, watching the churches work together, being able to be around all these these great pastors, the great men of God, uh, being able to kind of watch uh, with the Fox in action uh, up close and personal, but just some takeaways from the rally. Yeah. Um, so rally itself, just the whole thing was amazing. I mean, just the concept that we got to 40,000 doors in a month, um, canvassing was incredible. Um, I think, um, I think the last tally we had gotten over 200,000 pieces of gospel literature out to the community in some form or fashion. Um, that's just the, the gospel side, the, the paper printed stuff. Um, so that was just incredible to be a part of something that massive. Um, uh, it was amazing to see how many people caught the vision for the God Bless America rally, um, because before bringing it to the area, um, uh, I had been to a God Bless America rally and Dr. Whitlow, Dean of Massillon Baptist College, um, I had been to a God Bless America rally and, um, I think Pastor Whitney Owens had seen Brother Fox do some sort of tent meeting before the God Bless America rally had ever happened. But outside of that, nobody had ever seen it before. And so going from absolutely ground zero with pastors and try to tell them this outlandish idea of, hey, not only are we going to work with every other independent Baptist church in the community, (laughs) um, we're going to rent out a facility directly next to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we're going to try to distribute 200,000 door hangers in a month. What do you think? <laughs> you know, it's a big task to try to pitch that to people to get on board. And I'm so thankful um, for the pastors that got on board so quickly. Um, Brother Owens, I think he said it best when I called him and asked him about it. He said, yeah, um, let's do it. And he got all excited, gun ho on the phone with me. But I guess when he had got off, he was just like, it's never going to work. <laughs> like, like that was his thought. Um so the idea that he's like, I, you know, we'll just go for it. I was just so thankful for that spirit. Um, but to see so many pastors go through that. And then what was awesome was at the end of the rally, I just asked some pastors, I'm like, do you understand it now? And just in the middle of it, they're like, yeah, there's nothing like this. I've never been a part of something like this before. And just the excitement. I had so many pastors, some churches that weren't even sponsoring churches just come up to me and say, so when are we having the next one? You know, like when are we having the next one? Um, and uh, it, it, it's going to be difficult. I don't know when that one's going to be spearheaded, and I don't know who's going to spearhead it. No, you don't know. You have to come back for six months. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, but I mean, just for me, traveling across the country, I have heard tension about, you know, Northeast Ohio and church history. Um, and just like I had said that earlier in our conversation, it used to be a pinnacle of fundamentalism. And I had heard stuff, bad reports from Alabama to Chicago to New York State. You know, I, like when I travel out here, so many people say so many sad stories about the church history there. And then literally to come out, and I think at the end we had 16 sponsoring churches. I mean, that's just God. Um, there, there's no other There's no other explanation for that. So that was awesome. Um Brother Fox, um, probably the thing that I learned the most from Brother Fox, um, he does have so many irons in the fire. Like I, um, and I mean, he's not just doing Godless America rally. He has a business with like 17 to 19 employees that he runs. Um, he's an advisor for different businessmen. Um, he's the vice moderator for Southwide this year. And there's people from across the country that are calling him for counsel. Like it is just absolutely ridiculous how many things he's involved in. I learned a lot of organizational skills from him. Uh, one of the simplest things that he taught me was um, if you have a task to do, just do it immediately as you're asked to do it. So I, I thought that if it's as simple as like, hey, can you send me an email? Like, like don't put that on your list to go do something. Just do it right then and there and you're done. Right. Um, and so that, that was something, and I saw him do that a lot. But the biggest challenge to me that my favorite part about working with Brother Fox was just sitting in the car with him. And just a challenge of what he was to me is just a Christian. You know, I'd pick him up from the hotel, we'd get in the car, and we'd start driving. And he's just like, I feel clean. And I'm like, I just look at him like, who starts a conversation that way? You know, I feel clean. He's just like, I read 30 chapters of God's word today. My heart just feels clean and good. And, you know, he's just honestly, um, I've heard some people when they describe Brother Fox, they say he is the true definition of the joy of the Lord. And the only way that he has that is because he put so much of God's word in him and spent so much time in prayer because there's no human being that can be that happy that consistently without God. Right. Um, and so just just his personal challenge to me as an individual to strengthen my Christianity and walk with the Lord, it, even though like if anybody has an excuse to, you know, skip out on a morning devotion for being busy or tired, <laughs> I think Brother Fox is up there, but it, he, he probably read more than most people that are, you know, skimping a by doing nothing in the ministry, basically. So that, that was a encouragement to me. So. Amen. Well, well, I think we're closing in. Let me check here. Let's see what our time we're sitting on 53 minutes, Good. just nice. about to an hour. And I told fast. you we'd keep it around an hour. What's that? Now I'm fast. <laughs> it, it, it blows by. I think, and, and like, like I mentioned to you, one of the reasons I started this, and for those of you that might tune in and say, so I sat through this whole thing. Why is he doing this? The reason is because I enjoy talking to people about things they're passionate about, and it helps when I'm passionate about them too. Um, I, I have thing a few a few things that I really enjoy that maybe are not ministry related that I could talk about for long periods of time. But mm -hmm. ministry is one of those things that I greatly enjoy and, and am passionate yes. about. So being able to talk to and riff off of and and bounce back and forth with guys that get it and want it and and uh, have a have just a passion about it. That's that's enjoyable. And I hope it's a help to others. And I, I've said this many times. I've I might have said this every single podcast so far, this number 32. But if nobody watches this, it doesn't really matter. I'm not doing it for them all that much. I'm doing it for me because I enjoyed this. I, I in no, no joke, one of the reasons that I, practically speaking, one of the reasons I started this is because 
there are a lot of people I'd like to talk to for an hour, but I don't have a really good excuse to call them. You and I, I mean, we, 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 we're acquaintances, friends even, and yeah. we, you know, and we, 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 we've circled the same, you know, hemispheres, you know, whatever, but, um, we have, we haven't talked this long ever in really? five minutes at the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually centered around something GBA or something like that. And so yeah. the opportunity to really dive deep into, into you and your ministry has been fantastic. I greatly enjoy it. So one last thing I ask is any last thoughts, anything at all, it can be spiritual or not, but anything at all that you'd like to pass along to the just thousands of people that are watching right now. Amen. Um, I would say this, be open to anything God gives you to do because like I had said earlier, Florida was not on the radar. Um, The God bless America rally wasn't on my radar. You know, I was, I was happy with the ministries I was working in, but two of the greatest joys and things that I've been able to do in the ministry is one to be down here and get this church started. I know we're just getting off the ground at the God bless America rally. And those are things that the Lord just literally put in my lap and, um, those only happen if you're walking with him, you know? So I, I just make sure you're being faithful, doing what you need to do. Um, God has never given me a verse to go do, do something. And he's given a verse for almost any major decision I've ever made in my life. He's always given them to me in my daily devotion. Hmm. Never had to twist anything or search hard for something to try to get something to fit. When we force God's will, that's when we're miserable. So, um, yeah, just walk with him and his journey is a lot better than anything you can make up. So, um, ain't that the truth. Awesome. Well, brother, I appreciate it. Stick around for just a second. I'm going to sign off here. And, uh, this has been Mike McCurry live number 32 with brother Corbin Butler. And I'll chat with for just a second here, but for those that are watching, Maybe it's your first time watching. And if you watch this this long, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, but you can catch this and many of the other interviews in podcast form at Mike McCurry Live. Um, I'm putting out a few blogs, posts, and some different things, articles, uh, MikeMcCurry.com. Um, follow on social media and some different things to keep up with different uh, people. I have a missionary, Nate Shaver, to Iceland coming up in interview. I have a Richard Way, a pastor of a church in Louisiana, a Homa, Louisiana, I think. I have a Todd Monaghan, you know, uh, yes, former MMA fighter. be interviewing him soon. I'm trying to think. I have one or two others on the radar, a missionary to Brazil, and some different, different things coming up. So stick around and share it if you would. That would be much appreciated. I will sign off here. Number 32.